Planet Parsons, show 241 on the 8th of October 2014. Prepare your body and mind for a bumpy ride as we break new boundaries and go where no man or woman has been allowed before. We go beyond the final frontier into the light and dark corners of Planet Parsons. Hello, hello, hello. I know I've had so many tweets saying you're neglecting us on Planet Parsons. I apologise profusely. It just so happens that there have been a series of unfortunate events (laughs) that have spun out in my life, which has uh, kind of had me pulled from all corners of the earth. Um, And I have a couple of elderly relatives that are both in hospital in different parts of the country and no one else to visit them. So doing that as well as the new job at Jazz FM, which is breakfast six till 10. If you're around, do pop in for a cup of tea and a slice of toast. Um, I hope that your world is full of sunshine. What this has done is I don't ask anyone to feel sorry for me, but I certainly have entire empathy with anyone that is a carer there are some people that are doing it 24 7 so the fact that i've had to do it for a few weeks is nothing really uh just a little bit tired um and um i hope as i say your world is full of sunshine a couple of things that that really spring to mind over the last month although there are so many and i didn't write them down uh but the three that have stuck in my mind uh were that whilst this was all going on in my life we had a 70th birthday crop up um and um it was a big do it was a surprise party i hadn't gone to any lengths to find a really decent present Um, So I started thinking, "Mm, a gentleman, 70 years old, where are we going with this? I know he likes cars, so I thought, do you know, Roger Moore's got a new book out. So rushed into my local town centre on a Saturday morning, literally, and um, ran into Waterstones and thought, right, let's find this book. And there were piles and piles of them by the till. Roger Moore's last man standing at Tales from Tinseltown. And I thought, this would be great, actually. This would be really, really lovely. And um, went up to pay for it. And the lady at the till said, it's just the one then, is it? And I said, yes, just the one. And looked at her strangely. And she said, you don't want it signed? And then looked to her right. And there was Sir Roger Moore with his beautiful wife, Christina, (laughs) at signing copies of the book and smiling sweetly. Uh, So I was absolutely amazed at the timing on that. Had no idea that Sir Roger Moore was in town. Uh, Got the book signed. He shook my hand and said... Thank you for coming. I thought, wow, how exciting is that? Uh, So one happy 70-year-old within the family. Um, And then at work, an opportunity came up to see an audience with Quincy Jones. Now, Quincy Jones was in town simply because he and Michael Caine share a birth date, uh, born within an hour of each other on the same day. And I knew that on the 1st of November that, uh, sorry, the 1st of October, they were doing a show at the Royal Albert Hall, which was going to be Jonathan Ross talking to Michael Caine and then Quincy Jones conducting an orchestra with Joss Stone singing the songs from some of the films that Michael Caine uh, has been in. And because I'm doing early mornings, I start my day at 4am. I thought I'm never going to be able to manage one of those shows or that show indeed, um, despite the fact I'd love to have gone. Um, But an opportunity came up on the Sunday night. Two tickets became available at Jazz FM and as you can imagine lots of people wanted to go Um, and we put our names in a hat and my name came out so I went to the Royal College of Music uh, on that Sunday night uh, prior to the show that was going to take place at the Royal Albert Hall uh, with Michael Caine this was purely Quincy Jones questions and answers and some music 
And um, I'm not I'm not quite sure what went wrong. Number one, Quincy Jones is a god. We absolutely adore him. We are not worthy. Uh, so turned up at the show, which was a very intimate theatre. And I'm not sure where it all went wrong. Um, but there were performers on stage. There was an all-star band that travelled with Quincy Jones, I understand. So that was kind of 40 really brilliant musicians. And I can't stress that enough. Brilliant musicians who were fantastic at playing their instruments. However, you know how if you or I were in a room and we heard a piece of music playing, we might wiggle a bit or get into it, so to speak? There was none of that. It was kind of quite cold. Uh, and then some great performances uh, by female artists. There was Misha Paris, there was Beverly Knight, um, and there were some older performers as well that just had stunning voices. And I can't knock it. Sarah Jane Morris did me and Mrs. Jones or Quincy Jones. It was just uh, beautiful performances. But there was something underlying that was a bit edgy. And whether it was a last minute sound check, I don't know. So then Quincy's brought on stage to talk to the lovely Paul Gambaccini, who does an incredible introduction. Um, and then it all really does go seriously wrong. Uh, because the microphones didn't work and certainly Quincy Jones' microphone didn't work. And then slowly, far too slowly from my point of view, but I don't know what the engineers were up against. He was handed what I would call a really cheap microphone, uh, one that kind of went on and off. So you couldn't really hear what Quincy Jones was saying. Um, then a couple of really odd things happened. A lady who was a friend of Quincy Jones came on stage and uh, showed us these bracelets she'd made about peace in the world and suggested that we all buy one. So I thought was a little bit odd. Rod Temperton came on, who had, of course, worked extensively with Quincy Jones, particularly on Michael Jackson's album Thriller, uh, came on. He told a couple of stories and we could hear him about working on the album Thriller and how they got... Uh, Vincent Price to do the end of Thriller itself. Um, and, and that was in itself, as I say, quite entertaining. Uh, and then um, a school came on to sing We Are The World. And with no disrespect at all, I don't think there had been a sound check. Um, at this point, we were three hours in and I had been terribly polite, but felt very, very sad for Quincy Jones because they'd also had a big um, sort of three-minute film about his life on a backdrop that had dropped off at the end, so to speak. And by that, I mean that, that the content was good, but there was no end to it. So it just kind of fell off and was obviously being played um, through um, projection, a projectionist, and the projection kind of fell off. Have you ever been to the cinema where the reel falls off at the end? You haven't. Now you're looking at me really sillily, aren't you? Anyway, I left and I just felt I wasn't sure whether there was anyone to blame. I'm not quite sure was it, whether it was just many disorganised people or just one. But whatever it was, I feel it was not good enough for Quincy Jones. So just my opinion there. And then on Tuesday night, something that made up for everything that is going on in my life, something that I shall never, ever forget. I had a ticket, one ticket for Kate Bush. And uh, when they went on sale in February, I knew I wasn't working for a while. I knew I had to watch my pennies, but I knew I had to see Kate Bush, uh, a huge fan for many years. Maybe you are as well. Um, face value, the ticket was £165. Uh, no tout action going on, simply because they said if you bought it with your credit card, you would then have to bring your passport to prove who you were. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, so quite tired, 
uh, two nights after Quincy Jones. Got in the queue to go in. They checked my passport. Everything was cool. Got through to the foyer, sat in my seat. Uh, The show was called Before the Dawn. You'll have read plenty of press about it, I'm sure. I was just so delighted to be there. And from the moment Kate Bush walked on stage till about, I didn't check the time, but I reckon 30 minutes in, I just sobbed. I've sobbed with joy, with delight. It was the most beautiful show I have ever seen. And I say that with my hand on my heart and having been very lucky to have seen some incredible performers over the years. So she came on stage with bare feet, uh, wearing entirely black. And you know how if you were to go and see Kylie Minogue or uh, I'm trying I'm, Kylie's probably a bad example of this. But uh, some of the younger performers that come on and if they know they're doing a show, they exercise to within an inch of their life. They uh, are faked hand up and they look absolutely stunning. Kate Bush exuded something far more. It wasn't just about hearing and seeing. It was about feeling. This was just so extraordinary. And four songs in, she, I don't know if you know Kate Bush's work, but she, uh, I, I understand this was from The Hounds of Love and I couldn't quite remember it, but a big screen dropped down. And suddenly there was an actor who was standing next to a telescope and he was calling the Coast Guard and saying he'd had some information to say that a ship was going down. And that he hadn't got the coordinates, but that he felt it it shouldn't be ignored and could something be done. Then that flipped up and what we had was a full screen uh, picture of and a moving picture video of Kate Bush with an orange life jacket round her neck, laying in the sea. And there she was, uh, just a huge, huge close-up of her in the sea. And uh, the stage came alive with dancers moving this sheeting that looked like, or this blue material that looked like the sea. And then what flew across the audience was a helicopter. You could feel the vibration Um, the searchlight went on across the people in the audience so you felt you were part of it you felt like you were in the ocean and they had that whole thing of you know hearing the talk back (sighs) Uh, ship's gone down missing one female we will find her we won't stop looking it was just incredibly emotional Um, and it was a performance that perhaps should have been shown at the Royal Albert Hall Uh, not the Royal Albert Hall what am I thinking the Royal Opera House, Lynn. I knew I'd get there eventually. It was quite beautiful. I'm not even sure whether it'll be available on DVD. And perhaps you saw it and had a different experience to me. Second half, um, you know, the little wooden... If, you, if you're if you an artist or you've been anywhere near an artist, uh, when they're learning to draw or when they're actually drawing a person, they have a little wooden mannequin. And there's a name for it, but I don't know what it is. And um, you can bend the hands and the fingers and... Uh, the legs and the knees and just kind of, it's very pliable. Um, A life-size one of about a 10-year-old child came on with a puppeteer in the second half and we got some of the songs from 50 Words for Snow and um, once again, it was breathtaking. Uh, She finished with that fabulous song that's got the line in it, I just know that something good is going to happen. And that's such a positive, positive thing. So I sobbed again. So there was a lot of crying Uh, and just the most beautiful show I've ever seen. And I really wanted to share that with you while it was still in my heart and in my head. 
um, and before something else happens in my life. Would love to hear from you. I do tweet at Lynn Parsons UK and you can contact me that way. Um, and happy to follow you back if you follow me. And I send photographs that way as well. And you can email Lynn at lynnparsons.net. Nil Snozrap. That's Lynn Parsons. Backwards.